Is he making coffee in his little French maid outfit? <laughs> there we go. Oh, oh, hey, Mike. You should know hey. better, Father. You're a priest. <laughs> you sound terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I woke up recently. <laughs> Is that why it's already six eleven? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I don't dictate time. I just yeah. try and live in it. <laughs> It is the substrate of our existence, is it not? Mm, mm, well said. Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Well, do you guys have uh, have anything you've been thinking about? I have a thought, but I'll I'll would defer to either today. You know, I think that Rob usually has the best opening thoughts. Me too. All right, fair enough. So, would you open us, Rob? Well, here's the story. Um, Drop the story, dude. Pretty cool. So, two weeks ago, my little <laughs> bro got married, which was awesome. Got to be his best man. Uh, married like the greatest girl in the world it was it was awesome so um ross we love you yeah shout out ross and julie ross and julie forever yeah forever in a tree kissing probably oh whoa Whoa. yep that was Uh, such a huge diss yeah that was uh yeah man i made that up i'm the first person who's ever (laughs) said that Anyway, yeah, go Ross and Julie, Marriage Rocks, 2K15. 2K15. So I was back for that. They took off then, uh, I guess that was like a week and a half ago now or something, for their honeymoon in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Ah. Yeah. I think I see where this is going. Mm -hmm. So um, I think I haven't actually talked to him. Yeah, I talked to him once when he was was there, but... um, he they got back safely. Uh, thank God. I guess that was just a couple nights ago. But of course, that was Hurricane Patricia, which is like the biggest hurricane um, in recorded history. And all over the news, I think it was like Thursday and Friday, was that Hurricane Patricia was going to hit literally like Puerto Vallarta, right where they were. That was what all the newscasts were saying. It was like this hurricane is coming right for this tourist hotspot. Um, you know, people are evacuating. Blah blah. So it honestly was. It was very nerve wracking for like a full, a full day. I'm anxious to talk to them to see like, you know, kind of how scary the experience was there. Um, but I mean, they had to get. They got evacuated from their hotel. They got like they were going to bus to one shelter, but it was full, and so they ended up having to stay on the shelter like right on the coast. And you know, what do you, so what all, do you mean by shelter? Um, well, the one the one inland that they were going to go to, I don't know. The description that I've kind of gotten so far is like the one they ended up staying at was like quote unquote shelter. So it was like a big convention center that was like behind one of the big hotels on the coast. But then they had like I'm assuming they had like beds for people and then they had all the windows and doors like completely boarded up. So I'm pretty sure he told my mom that like they couldn't see anything outside like during the whole hurricane because they had it boarded up. And so there was in this huge building um that they were i guess that's what they were calling shelters like where people were going um there and so um but it was it was pretty crazy so he would email and like every email he would send would be like 
you know, storm going to hit soon. Don't know how much longer we'll have Wi-Fi to email or whatever. So might like it could be like two or three days, four days, whatever, before we talk to you guys. In my like head, that. I completed that sentence. Don't know how much longer we have to <laughs> <Yeah>. live. <laughs> so, no, totally. Like, you know, love you all. You know, Rob <laughs> it gets was all a great cool life. Stuff. I'm so glad I got yeah, to be I married. That. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, see you guys in heaven you know i attached a word document with my will and testament etc so <laughs> rob um, gets the baseball cards oh gosh i better man that's not even that's not even a joke um but so it was uh it was one of those things like knew that it was you know gonna be gonna be fine like they were being taken care of and um the media like you know goes ham on that stuff and yeah. Um, but it was still pretty pretty nerve wracking for for a day, and but ended up being fine. Well, anyway, ended up it like just what completely dissipated before it got to the coast, and then it rained a little bit in Mexico or something. I mean, I think it. Yeah, it rained it, a little I, bit in Texas, is what I read. Yeah, it was like pretty minor the effect. I heard I did read like a couple of like the smaller villages and in you know kind of just like local. Um, spots did have some flooding from like uh, rivers or something so mm. i mean the effect on locals might have a bigger impact than we realize but yeah, as far true. as like the catastrophic damage they what i read yesterday was no one died yeah no one died no one died no reported casualties no major infra infrastructure damage and it, they said it did like it weakened like right before it hit the coast but Anyway, so I was um, kind of getting the prayer chain going like up here at Mundelein and I called the Carmelites in Des Plaines, which was which was pretty cool just to like talk to them and ask them for like, you know, just safety of. And you, you may have single handedly saved a lot of lives. Dude, honestly, with that call to the Carmelites, that's that's real. So but anyway, the story goes. So it's on uh, Thursday or Friday night. I think it was Friday night. I think it was like hitting. uh like Friday evening or so. So I go to dinner here at Mundelein and I talked to the Carmelites in the morning and then uh, Monsignor John Essef was here in the refectory. He, so he was doing something with IPF and he happened to be like sitting by himself at, at that point. I knew him from just like my time at IPF. And so I went up and sat by him and asked, you know, ended up having dinner with him. Um, but just like one of the first things I asked him was, you know, could you pray for my brother and his new wife? They're down like right where the hurricane's supposed to hit, blah, blah, blah. So just like classic Monsignor SF style, man, he was like, okay, let's pray right now. So there's a few other guys at the table. And so he asked them all to like say a prayer with us. And, you know, they were cool with that. And um, But his prayer, man, was like just very different than... I had been praying, honestly. So like he literally started praying and he was like, Lord, you are God of the universe. You're creator of all. We know you love us. And he was, you know, he was like, take this hurricane back to the sea and like Whoa. cast it out um, into the sea. And his literal line was like, make it go peacefully and quietly, but cast it out into the sea. And um, prayed for like no casualties, no no big damage. And he told me after he was like, he was like, I'm just sure that like this hurricane is not gonna not gonna hit how they're saying it is. Um, and it was it was a super like just 
moving experience, honestly. And so I, I talked to my mom after just kind of get an update on him. And um, yeah, I mean, she, she literally started crying because she knows Monsignor SF a little bit from my time in Omaha. And even when she heard like I happened to run run into him, she started crying. Hmm. Um, and but it was just like this lesson for me of like my prayer before had been very much like um, I, it is very much a, a paraphrase for the effect of the story. But it was very much like, a you know, God, please, you know, protect Ross and Julie, keep them safe in the face of this big, bad, like unstoppable hurricane. And um you know, let the damage not be too bad, like kind of spare them if you're willing type prayer. Hmm. Um, and that's not how SF rolls, man. Right. And it was very cool um, to see. And then literally like, you know, 12 hours later, <laughs> his prayer like happened honestly to the T of like what he prayed for and, and kind of said was going to happen. Um, I mean, it, it it's exactly what it was like the this you know biggest hurricane ever like dissipates right before it hits land there's no casualties there's no major damage um and so huge i mean freaking awesome story obviously from my life one will tell for a long time and i'm anxious to hear the stories from ross like being there and everything but um it's just like the past few days it was very much this experience of like man that's how i want to pray and that's like the confidence that I want to have in God. And especially thinking about, you know, hopefully being a priest someday. It's like when people come to me with prayers, like that's how I want to pray. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a story. It's out there. Yeah, man. I mean, that's perfect for the gospel this past Sunday with Bartimaeus. I was, it was kind of the idea I was trying to get across. But as any priest would know, you're almost always preaching to yourself first and then sure. to the people. And... uh that question Jesus asks Bartimaeus, who's blind, what do you want me to do for you? Mm-hmm. Bartimaeus knows right away what he wants, and but it's a big ask, you know? I yeah. Wanna, I want to see. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was pointing out that this is what <clears throat> makes us different, it makes our religion different than basically any other religion, that we believe that God has addressed us and asked us what we want from him, mm-hmm. that he's offered gifts and he rewards us in the measure that we expect him to you know you know your faith has saved you his he believed jesus had the power to do it and it was done and um you know that like the whole i mean your prayer hey god i know everything's terrible and there's a huge thing coming and you're probably not either powerful enough to stop it or you don't care enough to stop it so mm-hmm. i'm just gonna beg for like this little meager table scrap of at least let my brother and sister-in-law not die yeah and like if that's all you really expect um i mean obviously there's there's the natural processes and stuff and there's also the difficulty of like okay well then if we had just prayed would all these other natural disasters that did have catastrophic consequences like not have happened and then or like any notion of you know someone that maybe has like suffered some severe loss from something like this that like that they did something wrong they didn't you know, have enough faith or something right? like, like total, yeah. total lie there but I, I know what you're saying like yeah keep right keep it's going. just uh it's an i don't know a disposition of expectation that that uh, like in contrast to buddhism i think this is a chesterton idea that um, 
we've talked about this about the statues chesterton's whole whole point about buddhist statues versus christian saints oh, yeah about how, i don't like, think i've the, heard this well oh. just the buddhism i mean the whole the whole ethos of it is freedom and enlightenment come from a uh, diminishment of desire basically turning down the volume on all your desires so that you're just satisfied with what you have that was siddhartha's whole move and moving out of the palace and to meditate you know out be poor and all that was to just say my happiness is not contingent on anything like i have enough just being whereas for christians it's there's i mean there's similar outward appearances that we do believe like the things of the world cannot satisfy the deep longings of your heart but the deep longings of your heart need to be amplified they need to grow in order to fit everything that god wants to give you because just in the same way like you know obviously para impossible but before you existed you had no way of imagining the beauty of existence mm-hmm. so before the reign of God, where God is all in all, which is what we're all waiting for, the parousia, um, a new heavens and a new earth, we can't even begin to imagine what that looks like. We need to have, we need to have God just pump up our desire yeah. so that we want enough. Because it's not that the, the goods of the world um, offer us too much and we just need to cut them out so that we don't get our hopes up in the things of the world. We need to we need to um, kind of shun them or ignore them in order to want the bigger thing, you know, like sin is wanting too little, not wanting too much. So like a little bit of pleasure or temporal happiness, uh, it's fine, but it's, it's just an image of like the great good that, that God wants to give us. And so I, I don't know, like the, the story you told uh, is a great example of, asking boldly of God and and believing that he's not only capable but that he wants to do our will you know that that's the we always pray not my will but yours be done um and so you'd say you'd be tempted to say in a hurricane situation like whatever you want God if you want to um you know take a bunch of people to yourself through you know some catastrophe we'll just deal with it Mm -hmm. versus uh the real doctrine of grace, which is the co- the cooperation of divine and human freedom, where it's like, well, God has placed desires in my heart, uh, one of which is love of my brother and uh, hope of his survival. Mm-hmm. I believe that God wants the same thing, and so I'm going to ask him boldly to, to manifest his power. And that has all sorts of implications in your life, you know, like, I want this or I want that. And, and I think of like, Okay, so somebody has passed away. You have a loved one who who has died. Mm-hmm. You have a desire to be with that person again. Well, God's going to grant that. Maybe not right now, right? Um, but eventually, and it's going to be even better than you think it. It's not going to be like oh, he just comes back and it's all like it was before. It's going to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, and Augustine's whole point about why Jesus tells us to persist in our prayer, like the parable of the knocking at the door at midnight. Be, just be persistent. Even if your friend doesn't get out of bed because he's generous, he'll get out of bed because you're annoying. Just keep <laughs> praying. Um, or how much more will God answer your prayers? And Augustine's point in this Office of Readings reading we read every year is like, um, a lot of times God 
allows us to continue to ask and ask without necessarily like the appearance of answering our prayers so that our hearts grow because it's like a muscle. We, we need to want more and more. Um, and it clarifies our desires and, and augments them through that. So our hearts are big enough to receive the grace he actually wants to give us. You know, I think of it as like when I was in at IPF the first time, that first summer is like, we, we literally read that reading of Bartimaeus and the priest told us, put yourself in the place of Bartimaeus and Jesus asks you, what do you want me to do for you? Mm-hmm. What's your answer? And I had no clue. Oh yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people have that response. Like, I don't know. I don't have anything big enough to ask. I'm pretty much satisfied with what I have. And that's, that's the point. If you're satisfied with what you have, no, that's not, you, you need to grow. You need to pray more to have God teach you what you really want. And it was in the, the retreat where I got what I wanted, but that I didn't know I wanted, which was friendship with Jesus, like an actual intimacy with him. That gave me the confidence that I would be happy as a priest because it wasn't just going to be me by myself being some kind of spiritual hero, doing the biggest sacrifice and being an awesome Catholic uh, because that's what a priest is. It was like, no, this is a deeper intimacy than you even knew you wanted. And it totally changed the way I looked at it. And for the rest of the time in seminary, the last four years was completely colored by that. Yeah. Um, Well, it's it's like... I've uh, had a very similar experience. I mean, even honestly through, you know, through the stuff at IPF and um, especially on my 30 day out there was, um, you know, it's this intimacy. It's like way more than I thought I wanted, but I would even word it like way more than I thought was possible. Mm. Um, You know, and that's even, even in, you know, saying, you know, yes to, uh, yeah, the call to priesthood, continuing to per- pursue it year after year. And now, like, all of a sudden, you know, it's not that far away for, for Mike and I either. Um, but that experience of, right, this isn't, uh, I think you said, like, spiritual heroism of, like, how much can we sacrifice for God? But this actually becomes um, the life we're called to, like, what makes us uh, happiest, you know, even... Honestly, even when I started seminary, like that was not that would not have registered like as a possibility for me. Um, the call to like fruitful, life giving celibacy. Hmm. Um, and it's similar kind of in that experience of like, you know, that Monsignor SF prayer. It had it had never occurred to me to even like plead with God to send that hurricane back to the sea like that hurricane and just you know it had been portrayed as like so intimidating it was um it had net the possibility of god you know like in monsignor aggressive line you know send it back to the sea quietly and peacefully it had never occurred to me to even ask for that and so that whole notion you were talking about augustine of um letting ourselves want more and like growing in that respect. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that resonates deeply for me in my life. Cause you can, you can see it in that example of like, I never thought that, um, that was possible. I thought that hurricane was too big. And honestly, it's kind of, it's similar. It's like, yeah, even, even starting seminary, like that first year, it's like, I never like, yeah, 
I it, the kind of notion for me in starting was like, well, maybe this is something I can deal with in order to like maybe live the God live the life God wants me to in a call to priesthood. Um, and the notion that like it's even possible that he could fulfill all my desires in this life um, wasn't there. So, I mean, just the notion that like that expansion of the heart and the expansion of our desires, like it's not magic, but it's very real mm. um, in our lives. It's, it's a, it, that's a huge principle. Yeah. And I, and I think it's also good to remember, um, well, it's good to live by that. It's not like we're overstepping our bounds like this fear of asking too much from God. Um, and it, it, it honestly makes me think of a, a story we had just like hanging out on the cam two or three nights ago. And, you know, we're watching college football and some guys are just kind of hanging out, having a couple of beers. And <clears throat> Robbie, who's, you know, one of the big goobers on the cam, you, <laughs> you know Robbie, right, Father? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's both a large human being and a big goober. So he's just like a that's very the perfect word for him. Yeah. yeah. And that's the only shout out you will ever get on this. <laughs> Does he listen? That you're a huge goober. Yeah, I highly yeah. doubt he listens. Yeah. But he, uh, yeah. I, mm, he's, there's this like balance between grandiosity and magnanimity <laughs> with Robbie. So he's a very big personality. And uh, when he was gone, I had this idea of, let's do inception on his brain <laughs> and get him into an argument because we had been we had been talking about the morality oh, yeah. of smoking <laughs> of smoking marijuana and so like we talked to a seattle guy and we were getting all these different perspectives on it and uh you could see guys were kind of it it was kind of up in the air especially with the medical data and we're talking about all this stuff and Robbie's getting super fired up and wants to hear the perspective from the seattle guy and like, what are the legalistic ramifications? So it's that kind of a night where you have a bunch of dudes together and <laughs> you're all just arguing. feeding off each other. Yeah, yeah. and you're <laughs> honestly just arguing. <laughs> and so Robbie leaves, and I'm like, all right, let's let's find something to get Robbie really, really fired up about. And Paul, who's another guy who lives on the cam, Paul says, um, well, Robbie loves Harry Potter. <laughs> and Paul loves Harry Potter as well. And I said, all right, well, we're going to start debating about what like magic tale, what fairyland story, um, or I should say fictional, <laughs> mythical world is the best. Mm -hmm. And we'll just try and get him fired up, even though we don't really care about this, just so that he can start arguing and start yelling and whatever. <laughs> and uh, This is the, so, so cruel. It was really cruel. Yeah, it was really cruel. But the strange thing is, is like, so like the whole room wants Robbie to participate avidly and like go after it and make these big claims and make these big arguments and ask us to believe in this really big story that he has totally vested himself in and is totally obsessed with Harry Potter. And he comes back in and I'm talking about Lord of the Rings and Tolkien's great work of like you know, the creation of 12 elves and dwarves and someone else throws in C.S. Lewis, the Chronicles of Narnia. And and then like Justin, he throws in this little Harry Potter nod, just a little bit like, hey, does Harry Potter count? Does Harry Potter count? <laughs> just trying like, there's a little bait out there bringing him in. And Robbie, it kind of gets his attention. And he said, oh, Harry Potter, I love Harry Potter. And uh, he didn't really say anything else about it after that. And we egged him on for probably... <laughs> 15 to 20 minutes 
And he would respectfully decline in every single instance that we gave him. Like, Robbie, we just want your personal opinion on this thing, man. He <laughs> said, no, I'm not well-read enough to even like give my perspective on it. It's not even worth the hill of beans wow. because I haven't read, yeah. which is so not Robbie Cotter, right? Yeah. It, it, Robbie would give you his opinion on uh, anything. You know, a, yeah, <laughs> a Picasso painting, and he yeah. knows nothing about that. <laughs> we, he sat in a cassock in my room the other day, and we painted him. Because that's the type of guy that Robbie is. He's ridiculous. <laughs> he commissioned he, a painting of himself. Yeah, yeah. We sat here and he he had a he had a pipe in one hand and a whiskey in another hand, and we just painted him for like three hours. And he sat there so he could be painted <laughs> for three hours. Yeah, and he was stoked about it the entire time. And so Robbie, who loves Harry Potter, who loves arguing, who loves himself, all of a sudden couldn't contribute anything to this conversation, and it just like that same feeling of look god wants you to participate as someone who actually has like it more than just a meager lowly servant oh god i'm your lowly creature be it done unto me you know if if this is what you want uh i'm just going to be down here and whatever bones you want to throw at me like just throw throw the scraps down here which is i mean at times is a great prayer. All those prayers are actually kind of scriptural. Be it done unto me according to thy will, scraps off the tables. Right, but there's a but there's the an expectation is, in that in Mary's prayer, be it done unto me according to your will, is like I expect I, I acknowledge that the most fruitful thing, the most beautiful thing that I can do with my life is to do what you want, which is to make it I'll, I'll, every generation will call me blessed, she says, you know. Right. Yeah, and bear in mind, be it done unto me she is going to be impregnated by God. So that she bears God. So there's no small desire there. Right. There's no small asking there. Um, but the point is, we all wanted Robbie to participate in a big and bold way for the betterment of maybe, hopefully, it was for the betterment of himself to join in conversation, to join in fraternity, to join in sociability and and just general fun and fraternity. But it was also what us who were just the guys in the cam. What we all wanted, not just for our own good, but also for Robbie's good and for the good of the whole order. Um, and so there was, I, I wouldn't say it was a false humility. I honestly don't know what was going on with him. But it was so frustrating because we wanted him to be bigger than he was being. Mm. Wanted him to make bolder claims than he was making. Be more <laughs> himself than he was being. <laughs> exactly. I don't know what it was. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, it's, it's. I mean, it is a not a perfect analogy, but God does want it. I mean, in Jesus asking Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? He's asking for his opinion. Like, right. uh, you right. you see I'm powerful. You have the faith that I can do great things for you. What do you want? Yeah. And and Jesus gives him what he wants. You know, I was think, I've been thinking about this. It kind of has to do with what we're talking about. Um, just the imagination, like cultivating an imagination uh, because like what you said, Rob, you just, it never occurred to you to ask God to, to hurl the hurricane back into the sea, right? you know, because it wasn't your imagination pictured the whole thing going a certain way. And the best thing to hope for was, you know, basically like good shelter and not too much damage. But SF's mind, his imagination was just bigger of what, what was possible. Yeah. And I've been thinking about this because like something for me, something I'm noticing and I have noticed for a long time about my own personality is that um, 
like how I recreate, how I use my spare time, um, and how it makes me feel. Like the best example to me, the thing that I always think about was when I was fighting fires out west and we'd be on these fires sometimes working like, you know, 13, 14 hour days, um, just like carrying stuff, hiking, cutting trail and, and all this stuff. And then you get back to the campsite, eat and you're dead tired. But I was like, I don't know, spiritually incapable of going straight to bed, even though that's what my body wanted, you know, get as much sleep as possible because you're going to have to do this all tomorrow. But I could not just go to bed because like the implication was, well, I'm going to go to bed and then I'm going to get up and do that exact same thing again and then have to go to bed again. And I can't sleep, eat and work and nothing else, you know. Yeah, it's just not human enough for me. So I would end up to my own detriment, staying up with the other dudes who were like me sitting around the campfire, just shooting the breeze, you know, about nothing. And it wasn't like, okay, now I'm satisfied. I've, I've done something human enough. It was, but it was, um, it, it made me feel, even though I had to sacrifice feeling more tired in the morning, it was worth it to me. And this is something I've, I've kind of struggled with my whole adult life is like, how do you use your, especially evenings, you know, when work is done, do you just go to the computer and mindlessly like, you know, look at stupid videos or Twitter, or do you sit in front of the TV and just waste time? And I hate commercials and none of this is like, has the savior savor of what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, but I know I want something. Exactly. I know I want something. Got caught in that real bad the other day. Really? What was it? <laughs> we'll, we'll go into that though. Okay. Discussion um, for another day. Discussion for another day. <laughs> yeah. but very good discussion. Very good discussion. Oh, I'm sure. Another day. Uh, but so I brought this to my spiritual director this past week and he basically, I mean, it, it the way he put it, I don't know if I'm going to be able to replicate it perfectly, but it, it just got me thinking in a different way about that energy, about that time. And he's like, your, your imagination is as much of a, you know, faculty or a muscle as, um, you know, your, your discipline or your any other virtue, you know, um, and it needs to be uh, cultivated. Your imagination needs to be cultivated. And so like watching a TV show is not necessarily just wasting time. Cause I guess that's the way I always sort of approach that was like, I just feel like I need to waste some time, you know, and not just all be completely utilitarian because a human being is not just a, like a laborer, you yeah, know, you can't accomplish all the time. Right. Yep. I need to do something human. And so like reading a book, because obviously, the, like the the thing that my my reflex is to just say, like, okay, I shouldn't watch TV. I should read a book, but I don't feel like reading a book because I'm tired. Um, but I don't know. Like approaching it this way, where I have every day to engage my imagination, and um, like I, I don't know, just that helped. Like I've been doing more of my Rosetta Stone French this week. I've been, I finished that Lewis book, Surprised by Joy started the grapes of wrath um wow nice yeah just like little things and uh you have to say no 
so certain things, but I, I've just found that in practicing that, I do feel less restlessness in the evening. And I think that it opens my imagination a lot more, you know, to the lives of other people. Um, even fiction, these fictional characters are, you know, Lewis's Surprise by Joy is just an autobiography of his early life. And you, I don't know, it makes you understand human nature more um, and human desire and, and all that stuff. And then this podcast, I think, is a great example, you know, where it it's sort of an easy, I mean, it's talking, it's just hanging out with you guys in a lot of ways, but it's engages my mind, my imagination. I hear what you guys say, and it makes me think of different things than I would normally have said. And then you create a product and share it with people. And that just, I don't know, it's a, it's just very healthy, uh, a healthy use of your imagination, your creativity. And, uh, I don't know if for my part, I need that. I don't know about you guys, but um, I like the idea of just being a functionary is loathsome to me. Um, like a cog in a wheel. I need to be creative. I need to engage my imagination. And, and so I guess, I don't know, does that make any sense to you guys? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I, I mean, a hundred percent, even, you know, this is a little bit, I don't think this is exactly what you were saying, but, um, I mean, we talk about father Oaks, like on, on this podcast some and you know kind of ask him to be our patron from um the heaven and just i'm sure he's praying for us but i mean his humanities class like changed my life man of like even and even like you guys talking about having for the second humanities class like I the know. impact brideshead revisited has had on like my whole life is outrageous <laughs> um from one from one book and honestly Father Oaks's perspective on on that one book and the the paper that he told you to write exactly how <laughs> yeah. you wrote it. I still have that saved on my iPad. Yeah, so everybody has that paper. Yeah. Now. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's oh, their really? it's their version. Well, he told us all. Oh, right, yeah, right. Here's right, right. the structure of your mm-hmm. argument. Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. But I guess what I was That's classic I mean, by the way, classic Jesuit. Like I expect <laughs> you to write this paper. But this is uh, just so that I don't get a bunch of crap papers. Yeah. Here's what you're going to say. Dude, he called us. <laughs> I do not know how many call, times he called us idiots in that humanities <laughs> class, but it was a lot. Like, yeah, it was so much. I described yeah. him to uh, Jacob Rouse the other day, just yep. another student. And I, it seemed ridiculous, the character that I was describing to him. Because it was a, this beloved character. I saw this guy had Hamlet on his movie shelf. And I was like, Hamlet. Oh, my gosh, dude. Yeah. We, we studied that. And just yeah. trash bags, Hawaiian T-shirts, <laughs> shorts. Yeah. It just reads his own articles the entire class <laughs> to you. He would reread lines and ask us to relish the beauty of them. <laughs> oh, of his own delicious. writing. Of oh. his own writing. We would just study dude. his writing on this stuff oh. in class. Oh, man. Yeah, God rest but, him. Yeah, yeah. Pray for us. Pray, Pray for, for us. us, please. But I think that was just, I mean, that was kind of like a radical experience of it. But, but I totally get that, too, of not always in the mood to, like, read a book. And just the thought that, um, yeah, Father Hennessy gave that talk a couple of weeks ago here of, like, you know, everything, like, in a in a real Christian worldview, everything has been sanctified. And I think his line was, like, bread and water, like, perfume and pearls, like, everything has been sanctified and so everything can lead us closer to god so i mean a tv show like 
certainly, but whatever, you know, can be healthy recreation if you let it. But I found that like, I, I go back to that father Oaks, like that experience of him that I was able to have. And I'm just like sincerely thankful for it. And like everything, it's just been an example of God, like being very fatherly to, to me and yeah, engaging my imagination, imagination in a way of like, I mean, Oaks was a top tier like thinker and writer and, um, you know, realizing that more and more, but like through that, like bestowed some really cool gifts, like on all of us for getting to have him. And, um, yeah, in a small way, I agree. Like this podcast is like, it's fruitful in my own life to, yeah, just be able to chat and kind of like try out even ideas and perspectives on stuff and hear your guys's. But in a way it's like, you know, getting to just a little bit deeper participation like in that gift. So I don't know if that makes sense either, but that's what was kind of going on in me. Yeah, yeah. like well, what I was thinking of the connection is that you, to see to see everything as sanctified doesn't mean that everything in the world is Jesus. Like there's there's right. evil right, right. and there's, there's garbage. And my spiritual director's point is like, just be careful, you know, acknowledge your need yeah. to be creative and your, acknowledge your need to have your imagination stimulated by something. You know, yeah. whether con- it's conversation around the campfire or over the internet with the podcast, mm-hmm. or if it's uh, sit down and watch a good show or a good movie or right. read oh, a good yeah. book. Uh, but don't settle for the garbage because yeah, it, affa- it, yeah. it atrophies your imagination. And um, I don't know if it's a direct link, but it seems to me like a pretty close link. The people who have cultivated an imagination are the people who pray well, you know, who ask God to do amazing things for them oh, because man. they can picture it, you know, yeah, uh, that life is more beautiful, even though it has this appearance of sort of dustiness and temporality that God really does have the power yeah. to um, just break through in amazing ways. Dude, one more story and then we got to <clears throat> go to morning prayer here. But uh, yeah, just that notion of like not settling and like God really does that have the power to give you what you really want. Um, this priest, yeah, this guy, I've never met this guy actually. I heard this story through another priest, but this priest that the story is about is like my hero. And uh, I, he's a young priest and he's doing uh, spiritual direction in his diocese. And I think he's been ordained a few years now. But uh, I guess he had a couple like um, like young young women in the parish that he was there doing some spiritual direction for. And one in particular, the story goes, is like, um, I think she told the story actually. But she was just like, I don't know, she's in her early 30s and like life maybe hasn't gone the way she thought it thought it would like had a big desire to be to be married, but like hasn't, you know, had any anything come come her way in um, in that regard. And so she was just like, I don't know, like not feeling fulfilled is um, I think the way to put it. And so she was going to spiritual direction and I, the, the way that, like she tells the story is this priest almost got like frustrated because she was very much like, again, small desires of like, oh, maybe I should, maybe I should just pray more or maybe I need to be holier to like embrace this suffering. And uh, I guess this priest just made her stop and he was like, what do you want? Like right now, like you're, if you're face to face with God, 
what do you want? Anything. Like, what do you want? And I guess she started, like, she started crying. And she kind of tried to, like, him-haw again of, like, oh, I just want to, you know, serve God. And I just want to be holy. And he's like, no. What do you want? Like, what is your heart's desire? And, like, through her tears then, she was like, I just want to be, like, I just want to be cherished. Like, I want to be told that I'm worth something and then I'm loved and I want to be held. And um, kind of all these beautiful desires. And I guess the priest was like, okay, like, go to the chapel and you tell God that. Like, you tell him you want that and I guarantee he will give it to you. And it just, like, changed her whole life Mm. that she could actually ask for what she wanted most and like once she did god gave it to her um yeah it's it's uh, that story is always really stuck with me as that's being it dude beautiful. that's what yeah. we were driving at this whole time yeah that absolutely and the thing <clears throat> it's kind of been stuck in my brain this whole conversation but I, it's because i did the camera reflection two weeks ago when the reading was with by the way uh, mike i'm totally cutting this part out i'm ending with what rob said yeah, yeah. Wait, this is an amazing <laughs> yeah. part, dude. Yeah, no, go, oh, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. This is going to be the greatest yeah. ending of all time. Yep. Uh, so when. Oh, cool story. When James Great. and John, Mike. when James and John awesome. come and they talk to Jesus, <clears throat> the line that they open up with Jesus before they're going to ask to sit on his left and sit on his right, which is pretty bold claims. They come up and the line is literally, "Hey, Jesus." Um, will you promise to do whatever we ask of you? (laughs) Which honestly is the boldest question I think Jesus has ever been asked. Hey, because I can remember being a child and saying, hey, mom, before I ask you this, or hey, dad, before I ask you this, can you promise that you're going to say yes? He's like, no, I I can't do that. What do you mean? That's nonsensical. Uh, But I I, I just love the boldness of that Just worth asking. Yeah. And I think it's worth noting as well that um, th- this all presupposes one, a trust in a God that loves you and the reality that there is a God, there's a being that's so good and loves you personally that he's big enough to fulfill any of those desires. One, because he's the source of them, but two, because he can cast hurricanes into the sea and he can let you know that you're loved and love you in an intimate way that no one else can because there's a God who's actually that good. And I think that that's like your imagination to have the ability to think big enough of a God that's that good enough that he can swallow up all of the evil in the world and actually transform it and turn it into a great good. And I think a lot of times because of our own personal experiences, we have these lies creep in that's like, there's no way that there's a God that that's good. He, he's that good that he can fulfill his desire. You know, I should probably just settle with what I have and be happy because I do trust him and I want to serve him. But it, there's a God who's big enough who can love you as an intimate human being and can throw hurricanes into the sea and make you a happy priest and make you a happy married man and woman. Um, yeah. So, and I think that's what the imagination does. It gives you the divine perspective to zoom out and see the goodness of the Lord and everything and trust in it. That was actually pretty good. I'm still not using it though. Nice. Three dogs north are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode 
are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. And here, down.